This episode of Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point is sponsored by Blue Bridge Games. For the games and gifts you won't find anywhere else, head to Grand Rapids, Michigan's friendliest local game store, Blue Bridge Games. Blue Bridge Games carries an extensive line of board games, card games, role-playing tabletop games, Magic the Gathering, and more. Stop into their storefront on East Fulton or shop with them online at bluebridgegames.com. You say you want to watch a drama. You say you want to watch a comedy. Well, you can watch it with your mama. Or you can watch it with your daddy. You'll even sit and watch it with your middle schooler. So you can come and talk around our water cooler. We're watching all day and all night. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa, whoa. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa. brand new episode of the podcast entitled Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point, which is based on a blog of the same name because the truth is our name and our name is the truth. I was feeling like it was opposite day to day no matter how big or little. Ah, my name is Kylie and I love TV. If you feel the same, keep listening and or checking out our website, couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com, as you're bound to find some common ground or something you like. For at Couch Potatoes Unite, we're all about the wonders and the unique long-form storytelling of the small screen. CPU, exclamation point, hopes you've been following releases of brand new episodes of the podcast on Wednesdays, as well as new blog entries on some Tuesdays. And as always, we have several more new episodes on the way. Because the panels and I live lives behind our podcast, the episodes are published once per week. Subscribe to the website or podcast via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Amazon Music, basically wherever you get your podcasts to stay on top of brand new episodes. Episodes already published discuss a variety of shows around the water cooler, including but not limited to Stranger Things, iZombie, The Good Place, Game of Thrones, Grace and Frankie, Mr. Robot, Altered Carbon, The Orville, Outlander, Westworld, Fuller House, Schitt's Creek, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Crown, Better Call Saul, plus new episodes are in the works, including revisits for The Hundred, Supernatural, this is us charmed riverdale the american horror story franchise series panel new name we'll talk about season one of american horror stories the dctu series will talk season four of black lightning and the star trek 50 plus series will discuss season one of deep space nine We'll be launching new panels covering Call the Midwife, The Animaniacs, Killing Eve, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, American Gods, Grey's Anatomy, Cobra Kai, Peaky Blinders, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, A Discovery of Witches, and The Hauntings of Hill House and Bly Manor. And because we look back at shows now past, we'll travel through time and experience all sorts of identities with Quantum Leap. We'll cry bazinga for Big Bang Theory. We'll dive deep into the fantasy world of the magicians. We'll navigate the witty political satire of parks and recreation. We'll become psychos for psych. We'll go where everybody knows your name with cheers we hope you'll be listening when we talk about Frasier and we'll know that's what she said when we talk about The Office both from the UK and the USA by the way did you know that CPU also from time to time goes live we've been live from bunkers comedy shows comic cons and game stores plus we're planning more live appearances and other cool stuff including in whatever we're calling these times so make sure you like or follow us at our Facebook page our Twitter at CPU podcast our Instagram at Cash Potatoes Unite or subscribe to our website YouTube channel Apple iTunes channel Stitcher Radio channel or find us on Google Podcast Spotify CastBox iHeartRadio Radio and Amazon Music. In the meantime, if you don't hear a show in this podcast format, fellow panelists and I still write reviews, and we always seek new panelists. So if you have any interest in joining the discussion, say hello by finding us at any of the outlets I've mentioned. At the very least, stop by and leave us a thumbs up, comment, or review. We like feedback, verbal, non-physically violent, and truthful feedback. 
You don't have to keep secrets or tell us lies. We just ask that you be nice, please. Today we are around the water cooler and continuing our catching up series in which we discuss a sudsy dark comedy drama based on a novel of the same name that airs, or at least aired, on HBO. The show is Big Little Lies and this is the second of a two-part miniseries in which CPU catches up on this drama. In this episode, part two of this miniseries, we're discussing season two, which aired on HBO from June 9th, 2019 to July 21st, 2019, with a total of seven episodes. As a reminder, created and written by David E. Kelly and originally billed as a miniseries, Big Little Lies stars Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Shailene Woodley, Laura Dern, and Zoe Kravitz as five women in Monterey, California, who become embroiled in a murder investigation. Alexander Skarsgård, Adam Scott, James Tupper, and Jeffrey Nordling also feature in supporting roles. Meryl Streep joins the main cast in season two. Big Little Lies is a show that was requested for discussion and beloved by some of our resident couch potatoes, namely Hillary, Eddie, Callie, Julianne, and Anna Laura, all of whom have reconvened around the water cooler today, ready to tell no lies, big or little, about Big Little Lies. As always, it should be noted that all of our panelists have watched all episodes of this series. At this point, this is true, and may discuss sensitive plot points. So for those of you who have not watched Big Little Lies and plan to do so at some point, listen at your own risk, as there may be major spoilers. Welcome back, panel! How are you? Awesome! Are you ready to tell the truth about season two of these Big Little Lies? Yes. Full truth. Nothing but the truth. Exactly. Just like you said it. Okay, great. (laughs) I don't know what this means. But what I can tell you is that because we're doing a catching up miniseries, I am going to ask you to rate your interest in the show after season two along the standard CPU character question that changes with each show we do. And I did tweak the character question a smidge, a tiny bit. There's a few extra characters, and then we had some character changes, and then maybe a death spoiler or two. So I have a new character question that I'm going to have you rate your interest in season two along, and it goes like this. After season two, would you say you love this show? You love all of the suburban housewife antics and shenanigans, if for no other reason than it distracts you from your own complicated and somewhat unhappy life like Madeline Martha McKenzie. Do you care about about this show deeply, particularly the strong female characters at the forefront of the cast, you identify with the quiet desperation of keeping up a bold face to hide much darker secrets and lies from others, and even from yourself, like Celeste Wright. Do you enjoy this show well enough, but think it needs to take bolder risks to further amplify the story it's telling? It still feels too subtle, and seeds being planted take a long time to blossom, like Jane Chapman. Do you think this series offers some great potential for mystery and for interesting relationship dynamics? You're willing to go with the flow with all of it, at least until you find yourself forced to fight for what you love, or against what you hate, about it like Bonnie Howard Carlson. Have you grown to like this show more than you did in season one? It offers a great portrayal of the complexity of women's lives, particularly in examining how women treat, support, or denigrate each other, which you think was better depicted in the second season, like Renata Klein. Do you have no real interest in this show? 
you find that the main characters seem devoid of love and interest in their fellow humans, and or you are oblivious to some of the larger subtexts of this complex drama like Ed McKenzie. Do you care very little for this show? You think that the main character is a real piece of work and you'd rather move on with your new life and your new wife or spouse like Nathan Carlson? Do you sort of hate this show? Though you love the main characters, particularly Madeline, you'd rather live your own life, watch something else, and definitely not go to college like Abigail Carlson. Do you only watch this show because your spouse watches it and she, he, or they are clearly running the household? like Gordon Klein. Do you watch this show because your parents watch it and won't let you watch TV when they do? You don't really understand what's going on anyway, like Ziggy Chapman. Do you dislike this show strongly because you feel that it was being unfair to the Perry character, too sympathetic to the Celeste character, and not wary enough of anyone else when everyone should clearly be under suspicion for the nefarious goings-on that occur, though that new character played by Meryl Streep is fairly riveting, like Mary Louise Wright, or you stopped watching this show because you realized that you were unhealthily obsessed with it and its characters, particularly with Celeste, and found yourself taking out your aggression in entirely bad ways to express your passion for it. Or because you, spoiler, died in the season one finale like Perry Wright. Who would like to start amidst this torrential rain that is apparently happening right now? in my neck of the woods <laughs> it is the rain is just it's like everywhere but hi i'm callie hi callie hi and i am a madeline and bonnie i notoriously take two so i'm an, a madeline and bonnie this time which is a little bit different from my last time yes last time you were madeline and celeste Mm-hmm. so what brings about the change I don't know. I just like the the Bonnie character intriguing of what is happening in investigations and her relationships, especially with her parents and all of that, I like. So I think that is the change for me. All right. Welcome back, Callie. Callie, you went first. Would you like to do the dynamics of the panel? Oh, sure. I am Kylie and Hillary's sister-in-law, so I'm married to their brother. Who will never and- appear on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. That would be some funny shit if he did. It really would. He, he just doesn't, he's not a big public speaker. <laughs> his opinions are hilarious and that is the true loss okay that's fair Callie welcome back (laughs) (laughs) so she segued me so I'm gonna go and I am Hillary of whom she just spoke hi Hillary of whom she just spoke and I also notoriously have a hard time picking just one character I often feel many of the descriptions apply, or at least a couple. I'm going to say that mine hasn't really changed from the first one. I'm still Madeline. I actually, I know a lot of people feel that the second season maybe necessarily isn't as strong as the first season, but I still really enjoyed it, which I'll get into, and I would still say that I really love the show. And then I'm still going to say I'm Celeste because the reason that I still really love it is because of these female characters and some of the... There are some high points that are just so perfect because of the female characters that I just still have to say that I love it. So we'll talk about that more. All right. Mine hasn't really changed. Fair enough. Welcome back, Hillary, my sister. Hi, I'm Julianne. Hi, Julianne. So I 
This time around, I'm also choosing two. I chose two last time. I chose Madeline and Celeste, but this time I think I'm more Celeste and Bonnie. I think probably for the reasons that Callie said with Bonnie, like I enjoyed following her story this season. I enjoyed seeing her interact with her parents. You get a lot more introspective into her character in this season, so I really appreciate that. But also, like I, I love the strong feel female characters at the center of the story and enjoy like watching their interactions and how they play off of each other fair enough welcome back julianne thanks i'll go next okay hi i'm eddie hi eddie hello mine have not changed i believe i was jane and bonnie last time and it stayed the same for me i will agree with hillary that i did not like season two as much as i liked season one however i think the concepts for the that the show had were very good i just felt like they could have been better and i feel like season two they didn't really know how to wrap it up because the story was already wrapped up but i feel like we'll get there and we'll talk about that so fair enough welcome back eddie hey hello i'm anna laura hi anna laura Hello. Yes. I agree with Eddie. I would, I think I would class myself as a Jane and a Bonnie. I can't remember what I was last time. You were Madeline um, and Celeste last time. Oh, really switching it up. Mm-hmm, Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, because like with season two, I still liked the show. It's still good. And I think they definitely did some really interesting things for season two that I enjoy watching. But I, I do agree that season two isn't quite as good as season one. And I also don't really like the ending of season two, especially when season one just had like the perfect, perfect ending. All right. Welcome back, Anna Laura. <laughs> She's meditating on that response a little bit. <laughs> I'll elaborate later. Fair <laughs> enough. And of course, my name is Kylie and I both participate and moderate this panel, which is often the case. Last time I was Celeste with a dash of Jane. I think I'm going to be Jane and Bonnie this time. I agree that I liked season two a little bit less than season one. I liked Eddie's remark. I think the concepts were pretty good in season two. We're going to talk about Meryl Streep, and that woman can do no wrong in my eyes. Long have I idolized her. Same. Yes. But I I also agree with Anna Laura. Because I think they even like the, the world, yeah. Yes. But I also agree with Anna Laura's observation that in some ways season one had the perfect ending, whereas season two, which was not based on a source novel but was entirely of the script writer's making, didn't land in a place that felt as satisfying as the end of the first season. And so we're going to talk about that. We're here to talk about season two of Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies, which has not been canceled or renewed by HBO. There's a lot of talk and rumor about them wanting to make a third season, but they have a bunch of movie stars in this cast, so I don't know how that's going to happen. We'll talk about that. But before we get there, we're going to talk about season two, which basically had two major plot lines. The first major plot line was that the five women at the head of the cast basically had a pact where they were not going to share what happened with law enforcement or anyone else as to Perry Wright's death at the end of the first season, which of course was facilitated 
in the end, really, by Bonnie, with the other four being the accessories to that situation. The second plot line is that Mary Louise Wright, who is Perry's mom, played by Meryl Streep, moves into the Wright household with grieving Celeste, who is still grieving, even though Perry was kind of, you know, an abusive dude, and trying to raise the twin boys that they had together. And so she comes in and starts getting to be very suspicious about everything and all related to Perry's death. She doesn't believe that it was just a fall down some steps. She's not wrong, but she goes about some very interesting investigations into her daughter-in-law and her daughter-in-law's friends. So that is the main subject of season two. Tell me. What did you like? What didn't you like? I loved Meryl Streep. There we go. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk about <laughs> this. Let's, like, let's, just, let's just get that out of the way. She did great. I loved her. She was the worst mother-in-law in the world. Absolute but, nightmare. But we all also, hated her, right? We all hated I, her. I mean, I love the level. Point. That's I mean, we, the point. We, we were supposed to. Yeah, I mean, the level... For real. The it's level of discomfort. I mean, the best adjective for me, and I know, that, yes, like Eddie was just saying, totally purposeful. But everything she did, her, like, her facial expressions, the way she emoted, like, it was just unsettling. Mm -hmm. I agree. It made you hate her. It. And you're supposed to hate her. She did mm -hmm. her job. But I feel like she hated Celeste before, like, of they course. even got married. She oh, had a huge chip on her shoulder and like 100%. It's in her i feel like in her like she just wanted celeste to be like i killed him and then she would have been like i told you like i yeah. don't think that's what she was waiting for the whole time mm -hmm. she like that's what she wanted she and then she hated everybody that i think there was an interaction between her and oh my god why can't i think of her name sorry reese witherspoon i'll use a real Madeline. name how she was just like oh you're just a blonde what like, or short. She yeah. says something about short people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah short people. <laughs> Julianne, you it took offense, like didn't her you? Little, her little baby boy could never do anything wrong, and there was nothing ever wrong with her little baby boy. It was like and the so, epitome of being yeah. married to a mama boy's, mm -hmm. like, oh, it, yeah. it was yeah. awful. It was awful. And perfect. Awful and perfect. Perfect. At the same time. Mm-hmm. Merle Streep was amazing. Yeah. And it's almost like they casted her because they're like, we're going to write this season and it's going to be horrible and we need somebody to star in it so everybody will love her. And it's like she went, mm -hmm. I will do this for mankind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty I much. She did that. She did that for us. I don't think they were trying to make it horrible. <laughs> well, I think it like cool. they wrote it and then they had to cast it and they're like, we need some help. <laughs> so, I, no, I think, tired. I think you have some heavy hitters behind the scenes that some, I mean, Nicole and Meryl, I think are friends in real life. <laughs> well, okay. what I, I think it's I'm cool. Sure like, you don't often get to see an actress, you know, of the caliber of Meryl Streep be able to play the same character in, like, many different episodes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. it, it, it's happening more and more now with streaming. But, I mean, she's just... Meryl's on another level. We all mm -hmm. know that. And to mm -hmm. see her, like, really flesh that character out into just somebody that you just love to hate, it's amazing to watch her do that. Like, you I mean that woman like you somewhere in your life you've met that woman oh i've met that woman 
Oh, yes. Yeah. mom. It's not her. Who's mom? It's not. I said it's not your mom. <laughs> But I'm totally just kidding. But her interactions with each character are just so I mean So good. You can't it's like and you know essentially to some degree you almost know where it's gonna go. It's like watching a train wreck in slow motion, but just the way she's able to interact with each of you know, Celeste's friends and get I mean, she gets right under Madeline's skin, like, right away. She knows the exact buttons to push. And the way that she does it, and just the way that she reacts to it after she knows that she's won that interaction, I mean, there, it's just so good. So I brilliant. love that dynamic with Reese Witherspoon and Meryl Streep is phenomenal. It's awesome to watch because it's, like, cringy. It's oh, yeah. so cringy. Yeah, so cringy. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's bad. Well, and then being in Celeste's position, like, what are you supposed to do at that point? You're kind of right. stuck. Stuck. Completely. Yeah. Like, she needs the help. You know, she needs to have somebody there to help her with the boys. But she's stuck with this woman who is just pulling at this thread of, you know, Celeste's lie. And you know, you know, she's doing it for all the... Well, I guess right reasons, you could argue that, but it's just, you know, it's going to come to a head. Like, there's just this tension that is building this whole time. And man, how satisfying is it to watch her slap her in the face? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, she's sitting there interacting with the boys, and you can't, obviously, she's kind of in a similar position that she was with Perry. Like, you can't, she can't speak ill of their grandmother you know again there is the the relationship and everything gosh it's just so i don't know i love celeste i think she's kind of a beast Mm -hmm. she's still my favorite Mm -hmm. character in this season she was my favorite character the first time she's my favorite character this season i think she has a lot in some ways a lot more to kind of expand into as Celeste in season two because of the fact that she's reacting to so many different stressors between the memory, the true love she still has for Perry. She's very much living out the abuse and power cycle in that relationship even after his death. The flashback scenes that they show, which were actually really well shot. I loved the, the moment where you see the videotape that the boys were holding the iPad and it's just through and beyond the door crack yeah Yeah, i mean there's just a lot of things that nicole kidman is able to do with this character that in some ways has impressed me far more in this performance than some of even her other performances because there's so much nuance and she plays it very quietly and very determinedly until the courtroom when she builds toward that sort of powerhouse place as the attorney mm-hmm. defending herself in a way. Yeah, since you've already brought it up, that's easily my favorite episode of the whole season. Easily. The whole courtroom thing. I would 100% the, agree with you. Mm-hmm. The whole, that whole build towards everything happening and her finally laying into her mother-in-law and just putting her in her place and doing it in such a smart, intelligent and then bringing that that realism of what she was going through to the forefront so everyone could truly see. While she's still grieving, while she's still trying to accept what her relationship was, 
while she's still dealing with this mother-in-law who has tried to manipulate every part of her situation since without any sort of understanding of what she's been through. There's See, this is the reason why I still enjoy season two, because we've talked about it in our other podcast, but character development really drives how much I fall into a show. And just everything that happens with Celeste alone, even in that one episode, makes that whole season worth it to me. Mm-hmm. And she was because you also feel everybody's reaction too. I mean, once everybody finally gets to full on experience, and to know that even her closest friends, like even if they kind of knew, to like really know what it was that she's been dealing with this whole time, and still showing up and walking into that courtroom and saying, "Don't you tell me how I am as a mom and how I, you know, how I care about my boys." I mean, that to me is seriously, like Kylie said, probably one of the most powerful performances that I've seen in, like, a really long time. Well, yes, she was trying to take those boys away from her. She was Mm -hmm. trying to take custody of those boys. Like, you're going to do everything you can to fight for that, you know? Those are your Mm -hmm. children. So, yeah, I totally agree. It was, like, stunning. I like how they had her portray the realness of grieving. Like that wasn't, it it was so, that performance was so raw that it just, it came off as like super real to me. I think that's why it's my favorite episode is that they paid homage to she's grieving and she's been losing so much in her life. Like, I mean, in reality, she's lost her husband. She lost her friends. Like, I mean, she's put her friends through this. She's losing her boys because her boys don't have a father anymore and she doesn't know exactly what to do. And I mean, I think she just got to a melting point where it was finally time for her to just explode. And she exploded with class, at least in my eyes. I think she did. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the reasons Celeste is such a great character is that she's incredibly complex. Like, she's so incredibly strong. Like, all these things we've talked about her doing, all of the things that she's put through, but she's still vulnerable. Like, Mm -hmm. she has so many facets to her, and I think that's one of the things that makes her such a fascinating character. And I think she's a character that feels very human, too. No, she she portrays a very, like, quiet strength, which I think Mm -hmm. is so like compelling about her character and the way that she plays it and it's, it's so different from maybe the way that like renata shows her strength yeah renata's like a bull in the china shop kind of oh my god exactly renata's still yeah. my least favorite character i feel oh she's my favorite character. i love her too julia yeah. i love her too <laughs> yeah she she's my absolute favorite character especially in this season she does so much she does oh she gosh. gets to do so much i mean Iconic. it's could be my Laura Dern love. Like, I have just this unending love for Laura Dern, but, like, my God. No, I think that's fair because you'd see more into her relationship to this season. Mm-hmm. So you kind of almost get, again, another glimpse more so than you did in the... See, I think there's more development in this season because you get more so of a glimpse into kind of where her drive is coming from. And, again, there's more cracks in her situation, too. Yeah, her husband's a dink. <laughs> uh, yes. He's an idiot. <laughs> there, there was Bro. And I noticed <laughs> it this time around. I noticed it this time around. There is one thing from the book that, that they put in this season, like a specific 
plot point from the book they used for season two was the, that he was having an affair with their French nanny. Yeah, total oh. <laughs> That's in the book, but it's not in the first season. And when I when I rewatched for our first recording after when I rewatched the first season after reading the book, I was like, oh, that's that's not in there. Okay, they must have just left it out. And then rewatching season two, I was like, oh, that's where they put that. Okay. Oh, bam. <laughs> I kind of love so like you know by no means would I say Renata is the most sympathetic character absolutely not no, she is absolutely my favorite character and I think part of why is like the unraveling that happens with her and her husband like it is episode by episode this like the hits just keep on coming like finding out they're bankrupt and then you know going through the embarrassment of like losing all the possessions in your home and then going to that and it's everything that she's built yeah yeah it's all hers it's all my favorite thing is when she screams it's my money she like Mm -hmm. screams like five times like she does not go to visit him because she loves him she literally goes because she's like you stole my life Mm -hmm. like how am i I gonna live without fancy things well, okay, so she's like grappling. Like again, you you're you're married to somebody, and you think that there's like this mutual understanding, and then again, you find out, and she's probably coming from a place of I'm carrying your ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then this is what's coming from this, and on top of it, you're screwing the nanny. Like I would have lost my balls too. Amen. <laughs> I would have been like you. I would have been like, let's go. When she like ha- like she loses her crap in the game room, right? Hell yeah! Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not just your stupid crap. It's He's like, not- no wait. Yeah, it's not no, just a game no. room. There are toys. There's yeah. model yeah. trains and and business. Like he. And you want to know what? You can have your collectibles for real, bro. And then he's like, oh, don't. I sold the. Like, screw you, dude. Yeah, Figure it out. Sorry. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> well, and I think what makes her snap, too, is because in that scene, he was like, yeah, I sold the train set, but the person I told, sold it to is going to let me keep it, like, as the caretaker. So he's still going to get to, like, play with all his toys. Yeah. He's, no. they're, like, he's the one who screwed <laughs> up, but he's not going to have to face the consequences. Exactly. That's. Actions. Mm-hmm. And she's over here losing everything. And it's not it's her fault. about him no, having no. all his cake and eating it too. Exactly. He's the one who messed up, but he doesn't have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> she did not mess up, but she's dealing with all the consequences. I think that's what causes her to finally snap. Absolutely. And I, I think too, like her her main motivation is to give <laughs> broken. <laughs> So Hillary's going about her business, Callie's expression. <laughs> watching you. She's about to lose her crap. So I'm like losing my crap. It was you just had to watch it. Anyways, Renata's pretty. I feel for her and I would totally lose my shit. Oh yeah, amen. Something I really like about Renata too is that she's not likable. Like well, I'm glad we all agreed that she's not likable. No, no, something I think that's interesting about her character, like, I feel like with female characters, like, they're so often sorted into, like, sympathetic or unsympathetic. Like, you are, like, 
you you as a viewer are being herded into one of two camps you know whereas like what your opinion is supposed to be on this character and that's one thing that i love about her is that like she is she isn't completely likable she's kind of a bitch Kind of a bitch. Yeah, she does some like hyperbole. You're being being too much. Just be like, okay, she's an absolute bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but I can't. I gotta edit that word. I mean, not to get all like societal commentary, but a lot of times that's kind of how you have to be when you're in the sort of power role that she is in. I was just going to say, she has to be like that or she wouldn't have gotten where she was at. Mm -hmm. And what what sucks is that a man is the one that destroyed it for Mm -hmm. her. Exactly. Yeah. She has had to work that hard and be that blunt and be and like be that kind of person in order to achieve what she's achieved and that means that she's not likable that means that people but people really do not like her and particularly other women really don't like her and i think that's something that this show does really well is just like like fe- like female friendships but also like female rivalries like the way that society pits successful women against each other really well absolutely in this show really. and i think that's one of the things to circle back to my original point, that's one of the things I like about that character, though, is that, like, she's not written really into either camp of, like, you totally feel for her and you totally sympathize with her, or you completely hate her and just, like, just absolutely despise her guts. Like, she she's a bit of both, and I love that. More, more nuanced female characters pulls. Okay, so I have to say this, even though I am extremely gay. And, <laughs> Not just but a little, I mean, oh, extremely. <laughs> Thank you for that explanation. Yeah, you're happy, welcome. Happy coming but out day, everyone. This is such perfect timing. <laughs> Amazing. I had just no in case idea. you guys didn't know, I'm extremely, no. But anyway, <laughs> as the man on the panel if we could go that far to say that i have to say that it is so nice to watch a show that is filled with real women Mm. i feel like women in shows get the raw end of the deal and it's it's really nice to see real women interactions with each other and showing real like i feel like the problem with some of these characters is that they're all jealous of each other in certain ways They Mm -hmm. all want to be each other, and they all want what each other has. And a lot of times in some shows, we see the woman being jealous of the man because she wishes she could get there because he's a man, which you don't get that in the show. They are all powerful women in their own aspect and where they are in life. And I just wanted to say that as the man on the podcast. Thank you very much. The one time that I will listen to what someone says after the words "as a man," (laughs) he should have said "as a gay man." He did. He started off being extremely gay. He started off by saying he was extremely gay, so I guess that counts. Mm -hmm. Right. He 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 appropriately prefaced and qualified. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not that a heterosexual man can't have an opinion, however, yes. Nope, they're never allowed to have any opinions. This is going to go over well. If you're listening to this, tweet at us if you podcast (laughs) about how you feel about this gender commentary. Extremely gay, big little lies. (laughs) That should be the hashtag for this episode. 
the hidden hashtag extremely gay. <laughs> He's right though. I feel like I do know all of these women. Mm-hmm. But like I've right. known all of these women. I've exactly. known all of these women in my life. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I get it. So speaking of knowing these women, we've talked about the strong, probably the strongest personalities and certainly the strongest in terms of fame, I guess, actors. But we also have Jane and we also have Bonnie. And in some ways, Jane maybe wasn't as omnipresent in this season as she was in the first season because her son wasn't at the center of it quite as much. However, Bonnie was much more at the center than she was in the first season. So talk about those two. I really like Zoe Kravitz. I love her. Yeah, she's so good. I love her. I said this in the last one, but I really can't wait for her to be Catwoman. Because she's like perfect for Selena Kyle. I just can't even. But what her what she has to go through is obviously pretty intense. And then to come to grips again, you see the relationship that she has with her parents. And then you kind of see her own realizations unfold throughout, like, obviously the events and her dealing with her own sense of grief and guilt. And then kind of what she learns about herself and her relationship. I mean... Ah, uh, it was it was painful to watch for her, but she did such a great job. Again, these people, it just feels so raw and so real. Her her grief, just her grief from her actions, which were warranted, and you know, you know, I I felt like they, in my opinion, they were warranted. But just the first few episodes of her dealing with her grief, her acting was incredible. Just you could see her pain so well. Just the weight of everything she's yeah, carrying. and she, you can tell she's not used to like living in that type of lie no Mm -hmm. not at all what did you think about the angle that mom had visions sort of psychic pieces i thought that was fine I thought it was interesting. I, I mean, I could have done without it. it yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't really care. I mean, it was really just so she could be like, say to, you know, Nathan, you don't know where you at. Like, you don't know. That's basically all that was <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah. Was so that she could call him out for being a crap husband. Yeah. Was basically. Having it. And not being aware like, here you are, you're in this relationship, it's your second marriage with my daughter, and you don't know her. She's drowning. But that was still also pretty intense, I felt. I just took it as another way for her to abuse her. To control yeah. her. To control well, her. Well, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I do have to say that what I love about what I feel led Bonnie to do what she did for Celeste wasn't because of a man. No. I love that she just did it because she was abused and being abused just period is crap. So I, I, I loved that we we learned that she was, she was abused, but that, I mean, I don't love that we learned she was abused, it, but, but it was it defensive. It was right. a defensive was, mechanism. Right. Yeah. Pure and simple. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people probably would have still had that sort of reaction even without her history. Correct. Right. It just added to her layers. She's an onion, you know. But I mean, for most for most shows and like most writers, they would have made though they would have made. I just used a real name. They would have made. They would (laughs) have made Bonnie be abused by a man so that she could relate. 
that's mm. what I just, I love the whole dynamic of her story, how it's still mm. related that abuse at the end of the day, sexual, mental, whatever it is. It's still mm-hmm. abuse. Well, mm-hmm. and, and then the actions she took towards what she perceived rightly to be an abuser was just another extension of the power abuse cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's there's fight, there's flight, freeze, or fight response. She chose to fight in this particular mm-hmm. instance. So, and it just happened to be that Perry was a manifestation of the sort of the monster, the skeleton in her own closet, which I mm-hmm. think was interesting. So, to that end, yes, I agree. I I thought Zoe Kravitz did a very great job this season and I actually really enjoyed learning about her family unit and Mm -hmm. not about the abuse piece the verbal and otherwise emotional abuse but about the the complexities of her own upbringing and how those interwove not only into her marriage but into her relationship with her own daughter into her relationship with her friends I mean I I think the best part of this show to me is goes even beyond the relationships between the five core women. It's their families and how they all interrelate as a village, if you will. And this the Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And everything relates back. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off. Seriously, like everything relates back to the Breakfast Club. She's right, though. We learned very little about her background in the first season. Correct. We mm-hmm. knew hardly anything about her. In the first season, and then we got all of this information in the second. So it was a nice, like, segue into her life. Yeah. Yeah. The show does, particularly, I think, in the second season, the show does intergenerational trauma really well. And, Kylie, you were kind of saying this earlier, like, like how that, that environment that she grew up in affected her, made her the person that she is, to a certain extent, dictates how she interacts with her own child and in her own marriage like those environments affect you like that even even if you work through them like you're like obviously you're it's not like saying if you if you grew up in an abusive household mentally emotionally physically whatever like there's no hope obviously there is hope but it does does stick with you and if you don't deconstruct that it will perpetuate itself and I think that's something I, I think particularly yeah with those those two family units with Bonnie and her mom and that family as well as with Mary Louise and Celeste seeing how it does how for instance Mary Louise parented Perry dictates dictated what kind of father and husband he was and what kind of home environment it created with him and Celeste and their boys and then how that's affecting the boys and I think that's one of the things that adds to the stakes of that whole question with the custody between Mary Louise and Celeste is that court case, that that question is going to determine not just who raises these boys, but probably ultimately what kind of men they're going to turn out to be. Because we see that Mary Louise is making excuses for Perry, blind to his behavior, not willing to even entertain the possibility that he could have hurt Celeste or anyone else can't even like when she finds out that Ziggy is Perry's son like immediate denial and then when it becomes kind of impossible for her to deny that he's Ziggy's father switches immediately to victim blaming and then you contrast that with Celeste when when she finds out that it was I think it was Max that was bullying Amabella in season Mm -hmm. one one of the Mm -hmm. twins was bullying the little girl because he's mirroring that behavior that he sees his his father 
treating his mother with, she she steps in, she stops it, she addresses it. So yeah. two very different ways of handling that. Absolutely. So speaking of Ziggy, how about Jane's part of the story? I think this would probably be like one of the season two misses for me. Like, I just felt like Jane's story was not as compelling this season. To sort of, like, to make way for characters to have, like, more compelling arcs. Like, because of the arc we have with Bonnie, like, I was kind of okay with that trade-off. But it, I don't know, it kind of felt like they were like, well, Jane is still here. We're just gonna kind of, like, put her... Over here. I mean, what else were they? I felt like she she wasn't needed. What else were they supposed to do with her? Her abuser has been identified. Her child's father has been identified. Like, what? That was the whole, like, first season. Was this person? That was the whole first season. And we're we're done with that. So. We just needed her son to become, like, a hookup doctor. He was so big on them being together. That's what we needed. <laughs> what? Yeah, you're right. It's, it's like she was just kind of. Are you talking about there. her flirtation with that guy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I do. I do love him. That actor is on one of my other favorite shows. He's in The Alienist, and so when I when I first saw it, I remember being like, "Oh, look who it is!" But oh, yeah, how I is that show? Him. How is The Alienist? I love that book. So good. So good. Oh my god. So really. <laughs> So I'm obsessed with the book. Patty, you've watched it. Yes. You want me to add you to the panel that Anna seated? I knew that word coming. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna not talk about that more because this will turn into Amelia's <laughs> podcast panel, which is um, not this I... pod. That's another podcast, which is apparently on our list because Anna's very excited about it. P.S. Side note, Hillary, like the moment you said Breakfast Club, all that's going through my head now are Breakfast Club quotes. Most predominantly, I'm trying out for a scholarship <laughs> is what's going through my head. <laughs> like, I mean, the whole movie is quotable. I can't believe you did that to me. <laughs> right I'm sorry. Now. What is happening? No <laughs> It's I know. It's I know. one of my top fives of all time. It was really I would just like to were, throw it was, out it was to good. everybody how this podcast quote. is going is how season two of the show went. It was everywhere. <laughs> it was everywhere. Yeah, that's right. That's see, see, we're on team. We might, we might not be on maybe, team. Maybe. Maybe. I was going to say, maybe all them girls were drinking Aldi wine. <laughs> We don't own any or sponsorship from Aldi. Aldi did not give us permission. But we love it. Anyways. We love it. Anyway, never mind. Anyways, back back to the topic at hand. I actually kind of disagree. I liked what they had going on for Jane. I agree that it's not, like, maybe quite as compelling as some of the other storylines we have going on. Because, like, there's there's a lot going on in this season. Even... It's messy, but it sure ain't boring. But I I kind of liked the fact that, like, A, obviously they still kept her in the show, but that they didn't put her through, like, a new thing. Like, they didn't, like, they didn't give her new trauma. They followed her as she still dealt with the old. Like, yeah, what, she's, what she was already dealing with. Because I feel like so often in media, 
characters with characters who have had something traumatic happen to them and they especially if they keep it a secret you know they divulge their secret at the end we find we find out what happened they confront their their attacker their abuser you know whatever and then that's it that's the end and it's kind of implied that once you have that confrontation then poof your trauma is gone and that's obviously not how any of this works so i kind of liked the fact that like her like not not only is she still related to the main plot which is we're trying to keep this a secret but her kind of thing that she has going on individually is that she's just trying to be a normal person like she is just trying to build like and i i love that for her i want that for her so much like she deserves it and i do think that there's still some compelling some compelling scenes with her some compelling moments especially as she's like working through her fear basically her fear of intimacy both emotional and physical because i i do understand what that's like to try to want so bad to trust another person after you've been hurt and having such a hard time with that and not knowing that it's not a reflection of the person that you're now with and not wanting them to feel like it's their fault but also feeling that like you know pushing yourself is hurting yourself more and like feeling bad because this other person has to deal with your trauma when they haven't done anything like that's to me that is really compelling and it's like i said it's something i understand so watching her scenes actually meant a lot to me i feel like anna laura has these glasses on that peer directly into everybody's soul (laughs) me my little warby parker glasses just (laughs) We also don't own any Risa advertised <laughs> Warby Parker. <laughs> that she just like sees the struggles in everybody and feels like everybody is giving their best to offer. Do you know what I mean? Like this outlook of life, Anna Laura, that you have. <laughs> so you're like, no, she's a character. She's there. She's there for a purpose. And there's a reason for it. We're all just trying our best, okay? <laughs> well, and if it makes any... You sweet any- soul. You sweetheart. You Listen, got a sweet I try. Soul. I try so hard. And I think it is very funny when people me when people say stuff like this to me. Because I don't think of myself as that kind of person. Oh, I think so of myself as before. a... I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think of myself as like a very uncharitable person. But, <laughs> I, I, but I guess I, no. I, I, work, I work very hard to try to be understanding and i guess it's working so it is you. working it is working yeah i think you're dripping with empathy actually yeah exactly which is not a bad thing <laughs> I, I, i'm also a very empathic person but you put yeah anyways good job anna laura but i agree with everything that you said about jane and i think watching her i mean i think they purposely pulled back from that I mean, it was purposeful, but still watching her go through the pain. I mean, she still was going through a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. It just was a different kind. Yeah. yeah. And it was just the ripple effect. And it's showing, again, it's it's kind of subjects that 
a lot of stories shy away from. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there that have experienced what Jane has experienced. Mm-hmm. And that is cause and effect. And you're getting to see it in a very real way. And I think it's almost educational and important for people to see. And I think I, that I, Shane Lee did a really good job. As I do have to say, I like with Jane how they how they showed how she was still traumatized from being like raped and, and whatnot. And how when she got into a relationship that she wanted to express those feelings that it's really hard to move on. And I like how they showed how raw that truly can be and that it it's emotional and it's emotionally hard to move forward from that. I would, I would echo that my, the day job that I shouldn't quit really kind of traffics in this sort of stuff, which is why I keep saying things like the power control cycle, power abuse cycle. But I also agree. I liked the fact that even though she wasn't quite as present, the way she was used in the story were in a very purposeful way and showing very much that aftermath. Because she really had two pieces. It was trying to become intimate with somebody in a loving and romantic way and a way mm-hmm. she felt comfortable to express physically, emotionally, and so on after her trauma, but also dealing with the fact that she was parenting a child of this union who was learning that his real father was Perry and that he was not the nicest dude in the block. And so he mm-hmm. had a lot of uncomfortable questions, especially when Mary Louise started inserting herself into their lives trying to forge a relationship when she could yeah finally accept oh the my idea God. that that was so creepy well yeah. we just literally so forgot creepy. about that part disgusting Meryl Streep in that level of unsettling again that I was talking about yeah she was like and stalking them yeah she's like yeah, yeah she was just like, dropping like, in out of the blue them. And just being very direct, like, oh, I think I deserve a relationship with him, yeah. too. And it's like, meanwhile, this poor child is still being bullied at school. Yeah. And is, because, yeah. It, bullied for a whole different reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ziggy is a tank. Yeah. going through some stuff. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I love the way, too, that Jane parents Ziggy. Just, like, generally, mm-hmm. I think I maybe said this during the season one panel, But, like, I think especially in season two, as he's starting to learn all of these, like, really terrible things about his biological father, her, the way that she explains it all to him, the way that she is honest with him about it, that she's explaining what these words mean, because, like, he didn't know what assault meant, he didn't know that word, so she explains it in a way that, like, a six, seven-year-old child could understand, like, she is... She's being open with him about it. She's being truthful with him about it, but she is bringing it to his level. And I think she's also doing her best to understand that, like, his biological father's actions don't have any bearing on who Ziggy is. Where she's like, you're my child. You're my son. And again, like, bringing it back to that whole theme of intergenerational trauma, where she's very much doing her best to parent Ziggy because she loves him and because she doesn't want him to have to carry that burden. Yeah. What about the- I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. <laughs> what about the husbands? Aside from Renata's, we talked about Gordon for a little bit and his dinkdom. 
What about the <laughs> other husbands, like Ed, for example, and work and Madeline? Dude, and Madeline. I love Adam Scott. I know, me I too. Him. I also love Adam <laughs> Scott. I think, like, I really enjoy the scenes with Madeline and Ed because it feels like pretty real. Like, it's it could be pretty marriage. like true to life, like a real marriage and. He's dealing with a lot this season with the revelation of Madeline sleeping with the theater director. And that whole reveal is just so, so messy Mm -hmm. and so so hard to watch. It's so, so that's another cringe. That's another cringy. So cringy. cringy. Uh, Brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. Theater people, man. (laughs) Theater people, the worst. <laughs> it's an inside joke, folks, because all but one of the people on this panel would classify themselves at one point in their life as a theater person. <laughs> and the one who isn't is celebrating. <laughs> I mean, ecstatic that she's not a theater person. Get it. Listen, bro, I'm fine with being an audience member. I love it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking yeah. About the yeah, we're talking about the husbands. We're talking about the awkward affair business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's about as awkward as <laughs> it's it is. It's like uncomfortable. It is, it is really... It, it is really uncomfortable to watch. Like, it is it is very hard to watch. But I think that is one of the things that, like, makes it so good. Like, it's very effective. Yeah. And I do appreciate, too, that, like, it's not like... Like, like the... Re- the way it re- that storyline resolves isn't like, oh, like, we had one conversation and now everything's fine. Like, this this show doesn't do pretty little bows, and that's something that I appreciate, because that's not how real life is. Like, they make a commitment to, like, they renew their vows, and they, you know, kind of recommit to their marriage, but, like, acknowledging that it's gonna take work, that, like, that, that symbol of renewing their vows isn't, like, uh, like slap some spackle on it. Our marriage is fine now. Spackle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, plus it's so because my perception of it is is like sometimes when people veer off, or I feel like statistically a lot of people veer off because of maybe there is something fundamentally missing. And my perception of Madeline is just like, I mean, maybe there is a little bit of truth to that, but I still feel like it was just more in her character at that moment where she was just more giving into the weaknesses of everything. So that almost made it more complicated. One of my favorite scenes from this season is the scene where Madeline and Ed are talking about just like kind of what happens. And he was talking about their first date and how, on their first date, he felt like she was interviewing him for, like, a family, yeah. family man and, you know, had, like, very specific questions. Because wanted what was different. Yeah, and he was like, and I came to terms with that, and I, I was okay with that, but you were the one that, that became unokay with that and had to stray outside of it. So I think she, you know, sort of, like, I don't know, I just, I find their relationship so like realistic in sort of like this like ebb and and flow and i liked to see that they like rekindled towards the end of the season but still like looming underneath everything she has the lie of what's happened with perry and like she's kind of the one that made this lie happen in a way like she was the one that kind of like told everybody their roles so 
when they're like recommitting to a relationship at the end, like as much as I love that scene, like there is sort of this like storm cloud over it for me where I'm like, but she still has one more lie that he doesn't know about. I think that with that situation too, it opens up the question of like, when you are in a committed relationship like that, are you actually obligated to share everything with that person when the secret is someone else's? And I think it comes up like when it gets revealed to the kind of the, the, the characters outside that core group that Perry is Ziggy's father and he finds out about it and he's mad that she didn't tell him and she's like well it wasn't my secret to tell like that was kind of Jane and Celeste's thing like I think it does kind of open up that question like is she obligated to tell him that or should she keep the secret for her friends like and I think that's that that is a difficult situation. I think one of the interesting it's another thing, I was gonna say I think one of the interesting facets of this season generally, but that kind of is really driven home by the Madeline Ed storyline, is that the the women in the five that are the harder women, if you will, the more bitchy, the more strong, the more less sympathetic women soften this season in many ways while the ones who seem gentle and seem a little less resolute in the first season almost harden and take an opposite direction as they converge in the middle with this pact that they have not to tell the truth about perry's murder and so it's interesting to to consider whether or not somebody said it might have been hillary or you anna whether or not madeline is being real in these moments especially Mm -hmm. with ed You know, I think that the way I took it, especially by the end of the season, was that some part of her still is still always going to be that Madeline that we met from the very first episode. But I do think she's learned some lessons through everything that's happened, just like Celeste has, just like Jane has, just like Bonnie has, just like Renata has. And I think that even if it might not execute terribly perfectly, if there is a season three, I I imagine they'd be building on this storyline Mm-hmm. I think she sincerely believes she's going to try because she does love Ed on some level. Yeah, I think she does love him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think there will always be secrets. Yeah, especially with those two because there's that mm-hmm. that's the one observation that I think you can easily make and there is very little dispute about is they're so different. Ed and Madeline yeah. are so different. From the very first time you meet them, you wonder, now how did that happen other than... He's such a, a dramatic swing from what's from, a, from yeah. 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 Which is an interesting point. Like, I, you know, maybe Madeline fell in love with an idealized version of what it is to be in a relationship with someone, you know? She fell in love with the idea of him, maybe not him so much, Who, but maybe so, you know, maybe, maybe now, maybe now it does become more about that because she is a version of herself who has learned these lessons. But, you know, at the end of the day, Ed is most concerned about their truth and the intimacy and the honesty in their relationship. And if that is something that he really values, not knowing this level of lie, having that come to light will, I would think it would and that would destroy them. That would end them. Mm-hmm. This is why I like shows like this, because you can continue to, and we talk about this since half these people are in the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Yeah. Like, <laughs> shows, shows like that that are just extremely, it's so, it leaves you with so much to analyze and so many thought, per, 
because it's so ambiguous. There's so many ways you can really perceive and analyze what's happening. That's a really and who knows? I was going to say that's a really interesting comparison because if you think about it, they're two totally different genres and entirely different shows. But the commonalities that the Breaking Bad two shows have and Big Little Lies have is this incredibly nuanced, complex, not cookie-cutter character work and beautiful direction and cinematography behind it. And secondarily, good soundtracks, because I love the soundtrack on this show. Oh, so good. The soundtrack on the <laughs> other so two are... Julie, I immediately thought, Julianne! Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she loves this. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. I yeah. do. It's yeah. like, this would already be on a Spotify playlist for me, mm. pretty much everything in this show. Mm. It's just, it's so moody. It just sets the scene <laughs> so well. Yeah. Hillary, did I say what you, did you want to say now? You forgot. No, I think you tapped off what I was already starting to say. Cool. I mean, basically, it's dope. It's dope. <laughs> Hashtag it's dope. Hashtag Is that this and gay. Breaking Bad? Well, yes, Breaking no, Bad is it's awesome. It's all dope. I haven't watched Breaking Bad. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me. What? In the hell? This was my life until last year, so I sympathize and commiserate with you. No, I'm sorry. I know. I I know it's on my list. I know it's on my list. I'm working on it. I can attest that it's totes worth it. It's so, worth it. It's worth it. Very, very, very much so. My sisters say it's worth it, and they have good they have good opinions and taste. So I trust them. So yes, it's on my list. Fair enough. Girl. I know. Don't be mad. Me. <laughs> I'm kicked out of the family now. I'm just kicked out of the family. No. I don't think so. I will. No. Not over that. Yeah. Family so far. We're going to help you. <laughs> she almost didn't get that out. That's funny. <laughs> We're going to help you. <laughs> Anyways, is there anything um, else you want to say about season two of Big Little Lies, the show we're talking about? Oh yes, yeah. Can we talk about that ending? I feel like that's what. Oh yeah, that's really what we started off with, and (laughs) yeah, Mm. and we can go back around. And Eddie is like moaning in the corner. I know he's like ready. I do not like that ending. I actually that's the whole freaking point. That's why. And so, well, if if we ever if which is a big if as previously discussed, if we ever get a season three, I think like if they explore the implications of them doing that, then then it could be worth it. Who would like to explain what happens at the ending? Who would like to set that up for the listener? What happens at the end? Okay, so in the ending of Big Little Lies season two. All the all the ladies meet on the beach like they have been all season. They, anytime anything happens, they meet on the beach and they're like, "Oh no, we're gonna get found out." And then they're like, "No, no, 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 we can't say anything. Just don't say anything." And then and then they don't say anything. But this time, they walk into there's there's this like kind of emotional scene. They're all getting out of their cars. I think it goes black for a second too. Yes, yes. like they're they're all getting out of their cars. And walking into the police station together, they walk into the police station together. And then credits. And then credits. And that's it. And I literally, evidently I can't say the word I actually said, but I said, like, I said, what the heck. 
And evidently, after watching it for the first time, I deleted that ending from my memory. I guess I was so mad about it, I just straight up deleted it. Because when I rewatched it for this panel, I was like, what the heck? This makes me so mad. And I was like, how did I forget about this? I'm you so mad. potty mouth. I know. She substituted for what she actually <laughs> said. <laughs> that was the most perfect setup I've ever heard ever. That was beautiful. Perfect. That was a beautiful and, recap, by the way. It was. It was. And, was and and what's crazy about it is that was more exciting than actually watching the show. <laughs> I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could provide that for you. I'm glad I could give you give you all that experience. Um, I feel like the blackout on the screen. I remembered when the screen blacks out. I'm like, is that it? I really, yeah. I really, I was like, oh, okay, no, there's more. Okay, great. And then when they went into the police station, I was like, is this another blackout? Is there like, is it, what's Wait. that? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. What? See, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because is the ending for season one kind of a cliffhanger? Yes, absolutely. You see them all together on the beach, and you see these, like, binoculars that they're looking through, and then you, like, so you know that that cop is still watching them. Like, she's still suspicious. And so you're left with this, like, oh, these, they're they're all, like, you're presented with this kind of, like, picture-perfect ending, but then there's still this kind of, like, I don't, I don't know if I was say gloom. There's still this, like, threat hanging over them and it cuts to black and that was supposed to be all we ever got that was supposed to be the ending for the show so the ending for the show was supposed to be the they got away with it or did they and you'll never know and to me that is the perfect ending for this story this ending i feel like would only work if they make a season three like i feel like this ending doesn't really work on its own like if this is the ending to the entire series like they walk into the police station and then that's it that yeah, doesn't do it for me they set that it is- up i think they set it up in the hopes of having a season three which like would be great but let that's not likely let's it's be real it's not likely but i think like, that's what they did i think I'm, they set it up and i don't like that i do not like when <laughs> shows you don't <laughs> I, I guess they're getting to know each other in now. a general manner i don't really like it when shows do that where they do like cliffhangers without being able to resolve it the with, prospect. Without, without you need to know that there is at least the prospect yes, yes. without the written contract of a next season yes but they and don't like, have that me, I know I might sound like a little bit of a hypocrite because I just said that season one is a cliffhanger. It was the perfect ending. I The thing I like about that is its ambiguity. I feel like that's a good example of an ambiguous ending. You don't think there's ambiguity with this ending? That's, that's what I was going to say because I actually don't really have too much of a problem with this ending. I don't either. Because I think <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean they went into the police station, they confessed everything, and they all went to jail forever. Like, I agree 100% with Julianne. I but could, I don't think they went in like, there and confessed. I think it, it's almost like... They want you to think that's what's happening. You don't necessarily right. know. Right. right. Exactly. But the issue is that I have with it is it's like we've been trying to avoid the police for so freaking mm. long. Like, we have gone in circles and in circles, and now we're just going to walk in, and that's it. Exactly. Like, well, how do you know? Like, Madeline probably 
women have something up her dang sleeve. I mean, these women have some balls on them, okay? And the bottom line is, they're all going down with each other, and they're going down swinging no matter what. That's already been explained in about 16 different ways. So, so cold. I wish everybody could see right now. I had to check the temperature in Grand Rapids because I was like, is it really that cold? She's not yeah, cold. I'm not cold at all. It was 80 degrees today. It was 80 degrees today. First off, I'm in my basement. Also, I'm always hot. I'm just kind of, I've had a lot of wine. <laughs> like, my favorite temperature is 50 degrees. I am not even remotely cold. I'm just. <laughs> I've just had a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> the true confessions are coming out now. <laughs> Anyways, I didn't hate it. You didn't hate it. So I didn't been- hate it. I didn't love it as much as the first one. But I still think there's a lot more ambiguity than what we're assuming. I agree with that. And you both are okay if they don't renew and they don't do a third season. Here's my thing. I would, it would make me sad if they didn't, but I also know sometimes in the entertainment world that that's just the way the cookies crumble. I really would love these ladies to get back together. I really would like it to come to a, a solid, cohesive end. But you're okay with the ending, as is. If this is the way the entire series ends, this is it. This is the series finale. This is all we ever get. Is that a satisfying ending? That's what I'm saying. See, I fought square. I'm okay with it. (laughs) okay. I'm. I was gonna say I'm okay with it. Okay. Okay. I. I. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna write in the middle like I normally do. I see both sides because on the one hand, because I like a good meaty ending, because I like the continuity of the long form story, because I do think this one was done a little bit more deliberately as a setup for something more Mm -hmm. than the first one, which ended with did they or didn't they or will they or won't they? And there was really no guarantee that we would ever get that question. I agree Mm -hmm. on the one hand with Anna. I think that if they were going to end and be strong about the ending, the first season ending, is the better ending of the two. However, I also in parts agree with Hillary and Julianne. I don't think it's necessarily... It's certainly not the way Eddie's describing it to me. <laughs> like, Anna's description's more exciting than the ending. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think they did a good job with the ending that they had, and there is enough... There, I think there is a red herring quality to it that goes into the whole I'm setting up for the season that may or may not happen. So mm. on the one hand, I also agree with Hillary and Julianne. The, the only problem is that, well, I don't know if there is a problem. A, I think it's not likely, but I think they're going to try. I think they're going to mm. try for the third season. Nicole and Reese own the production company that is behind this, has the primary share in this show. HBO wants it. It's really just coordinating the schedules. And I think yeah. that it's probably going to happen. I am thinking of... I think they'll make it happen. And I actually I think, think will that do. will be the These last are powerful time. women. I mean, if they go... if they, I mean, in... I'm just saying! <laughs> these are, like, big-name actors. It's not, like, freaking... If they walk into a place and say, okay, we really want to make the... Do you think that HBO's going to say No. Right. Bro, 
That's true. That <laughs> it's is like true. Christmas Eve. I, I just have to be, I feel like I'm like Kylie right now, where I'm totally Switzerland. I'm like just watching this happen. I actually totally agree with Kylie's explanation on everything she just said. I thought it was like the yeah, it was like a perfect summarization of all of our verbal diarrhea. Yeah, like, I'm not taking sides. I'm just wondering what you think. I definitely agree with Kylie. And this is how the season ended. I might be a little miffed about it. Okay. Having oh, had yeah. two seasons with them, I was kind of like, okay, so now that you, so now that you say that, I'm not happy with the ending. However, I don't think I could handle a season three. Only because, only, only because, what else can we do with the whole Perry thing? They'll find a way. I don't necessarily think Perry is going to be the main thrust of the third season Mm -hmm. at all. because They're going to find a way. And I Mm -hmm. think that there's enough husband fodder with the other husbands. Great. We're going to do a time jump and it's going to be about all the kids. I don't know about that either. But I will say... (laughs) (laughs) I will say that if they make a third season, I would bet money it would be the last one, number one. And, yeah. and number two, I think the the goal of the hy- hypothetical, very hypothetical third season would be to tell the audience how these five women ride off into the sunset and if they even get that far. And whether or not, the mer- because it, what the show kind of sets up in this end of the second season is that they all have their individual relationships and they've all worked so hard to deal with the fallouts of each of those individual relationships, regardless of what that is. But there's, there's a lot of psychological trauma, there's a lot of really unhealthy toxicity roaming through the marriages of pretty much every character all we see. Except for Jane, Mm -hmm. because she's not married. And even that relationship is very tenuous with her boyfriend because she's got her own traumas to deal with. I think what we're going to watch is how all of that converges into these five women becoming their own sort of family, which we see in season two quite a bit of. I think that's going to strengthen. And I think it's going to be how, how they reclaim the lives that they have been all shaken up both by Perry's murder and by the various idiocies of their own choices or their spouse's choices in the case of Renata or whatever. I think that's what we're going to see. But I, I don't think it will be more than one more season because I really don't know how they could squeeze this turn up any more than that. They I really can't. Don't. No. Yeah. I mean, they're all working on so much. They're very yeah, busy and too. famous and rich and beautiful and all that business. They, they all and got stuff. <laughs> But they also all loved this project, and it was Mm -hmm. a passion project for Nicole and Reese to develop the show, and it was a passion project. I mean, it was very controversial because they they were up for awards in the limited series or miniseries category, and then they ended up renewing in season two, right around the time that those nominations happened, so they had to reapply to be in regular categories, and it was a whole thing, and I just think it's because they had such a firm passion for the story and for the characters, 
And we, I think you've all elaborated as to why. They're very complex. They're very realistic. They're very nuanced. They're very layered. There's a lot of different pieces of the spectrum that they can play with the individual characters that they've got. And so I think to that end, they all are sincere about the fact that they want to do it again. It's just going to be... And I'm pretty sure all the women on the show are in other shows written by the writers, of, like the main writers of the show. I think you're thinking of that one on Hulu, which is called... Nine, Nine, Nine Perfect Strangers. Nine yes. Perfect Strangers. But that's a miniseries. That's Nine definitely Perfect not Strangers. Going but isn't Big Sky is also written by them? Which Reese Witherspoon is on. Big Sky on ABC? Mm, Big Sky is so. David E. Kelly, but Reese Witherspoon isn't in it. That's Ryan Phillippe. <laughs> Awkward! <laughs> oh, rude! Mm. That's her Speaking ex. of ex-husbands. Yeah. Speaking of ex-husbands. <laughs> I'm tired. The pills are kicking in. Everything comes full circle, yo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say about season two before I ask you some of the wrap-up catching-up questions? I mean, I think if anything, people should still just enjoy it for the acting performances, but it is tough material to digest, yeah, digest and delve into. Yeah. That's so be ready for all that, but... Good disclaimer, Hillary. Good job. I didn't I even think. I didn't even think about the disclaimers. This is drama. So. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some warning. I got some three one. rapid fire questions. Are you ready, panel? Yes. Which yes. did you like better, season one or season two? Season, season one. one. Season one. That was unanimous. Season one, and I think we explained as to why. Should they make a season three? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's just to, it's just to justify the ending of season two. Because honestly, I think if they make a season three, that I would I could possibly potentially eat my words about the ending of season two. Okay, Nicole and Reese, you heard it. We gotta make Anna Laura eat them words. <laughs> start start campaigning for Big Little Lies season three. Be like, I, we just want her to be wrong. <laughs> I didn't answer. So what's your answer? I don't know. <laughs> it depends on what they do, right? Eddie said no. Eddie yeah, said he no. said a straight, like, no. He was like, Eddie no. Said, no. No, everybody else said yes. I'm going to say yes because I really love those ladies. So I Okay, don't. now that's horrible. If we're making it just on them. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> That's my only. Uh, mm. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh when season three comes and it's dope. Okay, what's the last question? <laughs> Eddie, why did you initially say she's on she's on rare form because she's had too much wine? Eddie, <laughs> all the wine, man. Right? Why did you say no initially, but for Callie's, but the ladies? They're amazing actresses, and their stories are so uh, that's powerful. That's what I said. When, yeah, but you said no for the question. <laughs> I'm just reinforcing what you're saying. Oh, but why I'm did you? Say- oh, you're agreeing with me. I thought you were yes. like disagreeing with me. Oh, okay. No. Okay, we're good. Kelly's okay. like, I'm ready. Throw down challenge. <laughs> Okay, I'm totally not the only one that's had too much wine. Okay. Um, I love you, Eddie. 
<laughs> continue to agree with me. Okay. But what I asked was, Eddie, why did you... Oh, initially... Good thing it's going to get too out of hand. Yeah. Why did you initially oh, say no? I, I just think it's, it's... They've done so much good that I just feel like it's going to turn into a show that's just... It's going to be hard to watch. It's going to... Like, be don't easy. overstate your welcome. Pretty much. And it's going to turn into a show that... I probably would only watch it because of the podcast, because we're going to podcast about it. And I would be afraid I'm going to jump shark, like, real quick, because the story is just going to get drawn out so quick and so fast. But based on the women that are in the show, the performances, I feel like a lot of the main characters in the show could have their own little spinoffs, and I would watch it. I would watch a spinoff of Celeste, like, tomorrow. But all of their stories combined and why they're together, I just feel like it's already been, been drawn out in season two. Why mess up something that's good? Why why ruin something that's good as it is? That's why I initially said no. Fair enough. I would like them to make a season three because I do feel a little more pull towards the season is the, the season two felt a little incomplete as opposed to ambiguous. I think that's a, a good way of describing it. I agree with Anna about that. Not as with as much vitriol as you, though, lady. I mean, you've got <laughs> things. I, I don't feel it that strongly. I'm much more Listen, on. all I've heard is you agreeing with me. Uh-huh, I know. <laughs> I will take it. I will take it. Okay. All I've taken from this recording is that you agree with me and I'm right. And also that I'm a very empathetic and good person. So. I'm so glad that you succeeded your first takeaway with that takeaway. You know, now I'm starting to see some of that juxtaposition you were talking about. Maybe you're not dripping. I don't know. You're a mystery. Let's do season three about Anna Laura. question is the question I must always ask at the end of a one of our episodes. I saw I recommend it. Would you recommend Big Little Lies after the second season? Why or why not, Hillary? Yes. yes. I'm going to say as far as... Yes, and I'm going to say as far as sophomore seasons go, there may be some things to, you know, maybe not the same level of story quality because they were making their own story past the original source material. But even still, as far as those things go, it still holds up pretty well. And again, as I said earlier, just for the acting alone, it is worth a watch. It's a short season. It's a fairly quick watch. I mean, with all the other stuff that people binge watch, I don't see why this couldn't be part of that. So I 100% agree with all of that. Why there's no good reason not to watch this show. I feel like I the, acting, the acting's too too good. The storylines are powerful. It's relatable, and I I agree. It's easy to watch. I mean, I did it while watching. Well, I watched it while doing cardio. Thirty minutes, forty five minutes. Boom. There you go. Knocked it out. Boom. I would also say, like you know, we all kind of had some problems with season two, but I think a lot of us would agree season two is 
better than a lot of seasons from a lot of shows. You know what I mean? I, true. I would agree with that. So true. <laughs> yeah. True. So true. Yeah. Just because it's not as good as season one doesn't mean it's bad. Right. Correct. Correct. It's just bad. It just didn't follow the quality of their season one. Yeah. Still so, better than Frozen and Once Upon a Time, that's all I'm going to say. I have another analog. A similar, not a similar show, but a similar setup. 13 Reasons Why, first season, directly based upon the book. Mm. Pretty good. I mean, if you like that sort of thing. Second season, based on their own script writing ideas from whatever they were trying to do from the first season. Train wreck, and then it kept going for two more seasons. So, and I jumped. And I was one of the people who could not get through. I the additional seasons. I watched thirteen reasons why initially, completely compelled, but was so appalled. Man, I wish I had one of Spencer's freaking like metaphors right now. I I could not watch it. I I watched the first three episodes and jumped because of season two of season two right no of the whole thing because it it was disgusting to me the whole idea of somebody blaming in letters somebody else's suicide or whatever is disgusting it's disgusting the whole premise of it is disgusting and i jumped but i've never even tried to watch it I, no. a friend whose opinion i trust told me what was going on with it and i was like mm, no miss me and so the controversy of that lives on but nevertheless sure i agree with kylie's <laughs> set to like the comparison she yeah, was the trying comparison to stands. The source material was there for the first season, not for the second. And the second season for that one was just so abysmal. And just uh, outside of the concept, Mm -hmm. we're just talking strictly writing. Correct. The writing took a huge snow dive and that's Uh-oh. what that's what kylie i think was and i completely agree with that whereas here it does not it's it maintains mm-hmm. a very high caliber of quality writing there might be some missteps there might be a little bit of messiness in some ways that comes from the fact that it is a very dramatic story but also because they don't have the, a source to draw upon but they still mm-hmm. did it far more effectively and far more compelling a way than a similar type of situation with that other show. Also, if you care to listen about our panel's very bad opinions about 13 Reasons Why, head on over to couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com, our YouTube channel. Some of it's still in our audio feed. We did cover that show. There was a huge mass exodus of shark jumping, and I cover that pretty thoroughly. Julianne, you were saying. Oh, well, I, well, I was going to say, you know, sometimes second seasons of shows in general are sort of challenging if there's not sort of like a completed story arc idea. Like one of the shows, one of the panels that we were on together, Kylie, was Mr. Robot. And yeah. like we had a lot to say about that second season, but it's really relevant in the course of the entire story of yes. the series. Exactly. Whereas like we don't really have that with this one. So everything that gets tacked onto it sort of feels like bonus season in a way. So I think like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like there are shows that like, it's like an entire, it's an entire arc. Like it's sometimes like I would never, with a show like Mr. Robot, I would never say just watch a couple seasons. I would say watch the entire thing because it is a journey that everybody goes on. And it's really 
evident that it was intentional, like from the beginning to the end, that there was like, th- there was something here. Whereas like, we don't really have that with this. Right. So I feel like in a way it makes it kind of hard to, hard to judge or maybe like we, I don't know, maybe judging it harsher is the right thing to do just because of that. Because this is all like extra content, you know? They didn't yeah, it's more like an epilogue. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, that's a nice way to look at it. That's a way to think about it. Mm -hmm. I like that. But everybody would recommend it is what I heard. Yeah. All right. Thumbs up, seven up. So at this point, since I think we've told a lot of truths, big and little, haha, about the big little lies, is there anything else that you want to say about either of these seasons or what you hope to see in a season three of Big Little Lies? I feel like we covered it pretty well. I agree. I also agree. What a wonderful panel this is. So full of vivaciousness and wine (laughs) and and opinions about Big Little Lies. And so to that end, what I'd like to do at this time is thank Hillary and Anna Laura and Julianne and Kelly and Eddie for joining me once again to catch up on Big Little Lies. We are officially caught up but we can't get too far without at least rolling some credits. Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation Point was produced by Back Pocket Productions, run by yours truly, the Chief Couch Potato, which is really another way of saying executively produced by me, Kylie Piette. My associate producers are Krista Pennington and Celine Resmer. I edit this podcast, and our logo is by Rebecca Wallace. Our marketing graphic artist is Krista. Our theme song was written by Sarah Milbratz and sung by Sarah, Amy McDaniel, and Kels Resmer. Kels played the keyboard, Ian McDonough played the bass, Christian Somerville played the guitar, and the whole shebang was engineered by Kyle Aspinall and Christian. We hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please, if you like what you hear, take the time to rate us, give us stars, provide comments, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon are just a few of the places you can find us, but we're also on YouTube. We have our website. Otherwise, feel free to tell us how we're doing, what we should add, subtract, keep, or toss. You know how it goes. And if you have suggestions for shows we might consider, contact us at our website where we have a guest book by email at couchpotatoesunitepodcast at gmail.com, our Facebook, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at couchpotatoesunite, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though, of course, we add new and old shows to chat about around the water cooler all the time and always have new episodes coming down the pipe. Just listen to our intros. If you miss old episodes or want to know in general what shows we cover, just search for us. Find us wherever you do searchable things on the internet. Don't forget that exclamation point. Or contact us via our website, our email, our social media accounts, and stay up on all the new events and episodes by our humble little podcast, Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point. Until the next time, all available seasons of Big Little Lies are available to stream on HBO or HBO Max, depending upon what you have. In the meantime, it is unclear when our Big Little Lies panel might next reconvene, as we've discussed, because it's unclear if Big Little Lies will be renewed. It hasn't actually been canceled yet either. So we're just going to kind of stay on top of it, make sure that you know what's going on, make sure we know what's going on, and we'll keep you apprised of all the news as it relates to the series. If there is a season three, our panel will reconvene following the finale or the release of that season to discuss it. So until next time, until next episode, new episodes are published every Wednesday. Keep listening, keep watching, stay tuned!
Bye-bye. See you later.